Hello, brothers and sisters. Pastor Jason here. So good to be back with you here on this podcast. I want to encourage you to go to our website at pastorbytes.com, P-A-S-T-O-R-B-Y-T-E-S.com. Enter any questions on the questions page that you, you would like to have discussed on a future episode. I want to make sure to include you. We have answered several of those in the past, but I'm always encouraged when I hear from you guys. Also, don't forget to like and share the podcast, whether you're listening on iTunes or whether you're listening on Podbean, if you will, whatever platform that you use, make sure and like and share and comment. Even go to our Facebook page and rate us. There's a rating on there. You can see that we've been rated, and that always helps us to be able to be on a bigger platform to where more people can hear the Word of God and be able to hear the ministry. But on this episode, I want to speak to you about hurts, wounds, and scars. And I'm so excited about this because I see so many times whenever I've worked with people that hurts, wounds, and scars really lead to dominating emotions. They don't, they don't, they lead to depression. They lead to anxiety. They lead to a lot of these things that we struggle with. And by the way, one of the most listened to podcasts that I have done is addictions, first of all, and then also anxiety. So people are real, real concerned with these ideas. And a lot of times it's these hurts, it's these wounds, it's these scars. Remember, the hurt is something that happens just now. A wound is something that has happened in the past. We need to learn how to deal with these hurts as we get them and not let them be a wound and especially a scar. But then a scar is something you've had that, you know, a wound will have a scab, but a scar will not have a scab. It'll be a scar. It's something that's deep. It's something that's happened long ago. I still have scars on my body from when I was a grade schooler from some, a bike accident that I had. That's a scar to this day. I was eight or 10 years old riding my bicycle. And so some of us have these things that need to be dealt with. The best way to deal with them is when they're first a hurt. And how do we do that? What does that look like? One of the first things we need to do when we deal with the present hurt is we need to recognize that we are hurt. You know, I don't know how many people that I've talked with and dealt with in the past that they've been hurt, but they don't even realize they've been hurt. Now that sounds bizarre, I know, but they've actually been offended. They've been hurt. Someone's done something to them, but they say, oh, well, it really wasn't that big deal at all. So I have to do work to talk to them and to ask questions to get to the understanding understanding that, hey, you've been hurt. This person hurt you because it's not as easy when it happens to you. You know, it's easy whenever you're talking to someone else to see the problem. But sometimes when it's our problem, it's the hardest to see. That's just the way that it is. We need to first confess and say, Lord, you know, I have been hurt. This is a problem and and confess that it's okay that we've been hurt. You know, I've heard people say, well, you just need to toughen up. Well, that's true. We do just need to toughen up. But sometimes people have been hurt in the past and it's like that wound, that scar is tender. The person that comes along and does a little offense, they can, they can, it'd be like me taking and touching an area that has a scab on it. Well, it would hurt you. Well, I didn't touch you very hard, but the truth is you're wounded in the past. And I do think there's a place for just toughening up, but many times we're wounded because the next person that come along in our life barely touched us, but there is a wound or a scar that's in the past that we need to be healed from. I do believe that. And we're dominated by these emotions. I've seen women that have been dealt with the with their husbands to where the husband necessarily is not the one that done the harm to them, but they were harmed as a little girl or they were harmed in their past marriage. And the next husband gets the benefit of the dominating emotion to where he's like, I don't know what I did. 
did, but she just lost it. Well, that's because there's a hurt. There's a wound. There's a scar. And we need to identify that. You know, I don't believe in pushing things under the rug. I believe in talking about things. I'm not afraid to talk about problems. We need to talk about these hurts, these wounds, these scars, because why? Because God is our healer. And anytime we take a hurt, anytime we take a wound, anytime we take a scar and say, oh, well, it'll just get better. No, we have to be intentional. I believe there's a lot of things that come, but they come intentional. Revival comes intentionally by having a heart out for God and praying and seeking God. But also healing comes intentionally too. Very few people are, you know, Jesus didn't just walk up on people and all of a sudden they're like, wow, Jesus passed me by. I'm healed. No, the woman with the issue of blood reached through the crowd to touch him. She reached as far as she could. Zacchaeus cried out for God to heal him. I mean, all the people in scripture that were healed, he would walk upon people and he wouldn't just touch them and heal them. He would ask them a question. Think about the man at the pool of Bethesda. He was there at the pool. Then God said to him, he said, you know, do you want to be healed? He didn't just walk up and heal him. You know, we need to look to God in these things and these hurts and these wounds and say, God, heal me. I have been offended. I have been hurt. There's no stranger this to this in the Bible. Even Paul. Paul, do you remember how Paul and John Mark had their dissension. Do you remember what that was? You know, that dissension, that was, somebody was hurt there. And I think the scripture tells us the story of it. Do you remember when John departed from the first missionary journey in Acts chapter 13, verse 13? And I believe most commentaries believe that Paul more likely was kind of offended by this. Think about it. We decide to start a ministry together. Man, we go, we sail 60 miles, we walk over, we go through all this stuff. And all of a sudden I say, hey man, uh, I'm out. I mean, I'm not sick. There's nothing wrong. You know, I haven't got a letter from home saying that, you know, I need to get home because someone in my family's sick. I just say I'm out. Well, more than likely, it's an idea there. Here's one idea that, first of all, that started out to be Barnabas's journey. And Paul kind of took over. Remember, it started in the first part of the book on the missionary journeys when it was always Barnabas and Paul, but then became Paul's missionary journey. Paul kind of took over. Paul was kind of a strong man. And Barnabas was more of a passive man, anointed by God, used greatly. But he didn't take it. He kind of... More likely that John Mark, being a nephew to Barnabas, kind of took offense that all this happened, uh, that he kind of took over this missionary journey. And more than likely, that's the reason why John Mark departed. He said, you know, hey, I'm, I'm not going to go on this missionary journey anymore. And then more likely, Paul then took a, offense to that, that he left the journey. And they were offended. Later on, we know the Apostle Paul didn't even want John Mark to go with them on the next journey. And the Bible says there was great dissension. But remember, it's says in verse 38, but Paul thought it not to take him with them who departed from Pamphylia and would not with them to the work. So Paul's like, look, this guy left before and it kind of offended me and I don't need extra baggage on the trip. And there was dissension. But then it says that Paul chose Silas and departed and recommended by the brethren. And it said there was contention in verse 39 was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. 
Think about that. There was great contention. There was great hurt here. And we know later on when we read the scriptures that Paul kind of came to himself about this and said, hey, you know, Mark is very profitable to the ministry, so bring him to me. He spoke highly of him, but there was some dissension here. And remember this, we don't all think the same. These great patriarchs of our faith thought about things differently. And whatever the hurt was, whatever the scar, there was definitely a place for the devil to have a foothold, but they went two different places. And God worked that all out. And the church then grew in two places instead of just one. You know, remember this. People, because they don't think like me and they don't act like me, that doesn't mean that they're wrong. They're just different. It's not right. It's not wrong. It's just different. But many times we are so selfish of people, I guess would be the word I'd like to say, that we think everyone should think like we do. When really diversity is a great thing. Thank God they don't all think like we do. It'd be a boring place if everyone thought like us. But also, what if someone does hurt you? We're not just talking about some dissension, some different preference. What about if there's a hurt? Well, I like to say it this hurting people always hurt people, but also people that hurt people don't always mean to hurt people. Now you say, well, that's just a play on words. No, it's not. The truth is you think about it. How many people do you really know? I mean, yeah, there are some, there are some real crazy people out there that, you know, are, are psychotic, just chauvinistic and just want to go around hurting people. But most people, especially Christians, they're not going around trying to hurt people, but their attitudes hurt people. Their emotions hurt people. They just hurt people. And many times it's unintentional. Do you know someone that's stuck in addiction of any kind, not just drugs and alcohol, prescription drugs, internet, pornography, whatever it is, many times those people never develop emotionally. So they start using drugs at 18, they emotionally don't develop anymore. Why? Because they keep going back to that drug, that alcohol, that internet, that pornography, whatever it is they're going back to, every time they get stirred up emotionally and they need to deal with it, they run to that drug, that alcohol. So when they abstain from it, they got to then learn how to deal with it. So they're kind of stuck emotionally. And there's many people in the church. Who do we deal with? Someone who's been given to addiction, drugs, alcohol, dysfunctional family. I mean, that's really the truth. We get around people that are hurt, that have been wounded, that have been scarred. And so they're not walking around intentionally trying to hurt people. I try to remember this illustration that I learned in school. And to me, it was such a wonderful, you know, a freeing thing to think about it this way. You know, remember the Bible says that we're to bring everything into the captivity of Christ, every thought into the captivity of Christ, to remember to take those thoughts captive. You know, God loves us. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. He'll work all things out for the good. Those are positive thoughts we need to keep thinking when situations happen. But this illustration is this. You're standing in the Walmart line. I was there the other night. It took me 25 minutes to get through the Walmart line. And I mean, it took a while and people were being impatient and I was just standing there. I didn't have a lot going on. So I was like, well, whatever, you know, nothing else to do besides stand here late at Walmart besides go home and go to bed and I'll be all right. But many times that can be a difficult place. So you're standing in the Walmart line. All of a sudden on the back of your heel, you feel a bump and it kind of bumps you. And then all of a sudden it hits you a little harder. You're like, man, that kind of hurt, you know? So all you're getting frustrated. You're like, man, I'll tell you what, some people, so all of a sudden they hit you again and man, it really hurt. You turn around and look and it's a blind old lady and you think, oh, well, bless her heart. You know, she didn't even know. She didn't even realize I was standing here. And so you say, ma'am, could you please just, you know, be careful? You know, I'm standing here. You hit my heel. I understand that, you know, you didn't realize you were hitting my ankle, but if you would just, I'm standing here and if any help I can do, I'd help you. So she goes, okay. And you turn back around and all of a sudden you're sitting there and then bam, 
bam, on the back of your heel again, it hits you again and hits you again. And all of a sudden you're like, goodness, I just told this lady, but finally she did enough times around said, ma'am, I'm still standing here. That's, that's me. And all of a sudden you look and realize that this old lady, she's not an old lady at all. She's a kid that's dressed up in an outfit. And there's another kid over there filming what's going on. And he's laughing and jeering and they're giving each other the thumbs up. And you think, well, you little, and all of a sudden your emotions are through the roof again. You're upset again. You see how that changed? How your perceptions of the idea when you thought, well, she was just blind, she just couldn't see, how all of a sudden your emotional emotions went down and how when you thought it was a bunch of kids goofing around making a clown of you, all of a sudden you're emotional again? Do you know that that's the exact thing that we need to be careful of? It's our perceptions, how we perceive it. If we think someone meant to hurt us, then our emotions are a 10. If we think someone unintentionally hurt us, then our emotions can be a 3 or for. It all has to do with, remember David, how much he failed God. He made so many more mistakes than King Saul did, but King Saul had the anointing of God, God pulled from him because he was disobedient. Why? Because King Saul was not after and repenting at man after God's own heart like David. He wasn't repenting and saying he's sorry. He intentionally did things and would not turn and repent from the things that he did. There are people that hurt us that really do repent, that really do have a repentive heart. And whether or not they meant to do it, you know, that's up between them and God. But many times we're hurt way deeper than we really need to be hurt because we are perceiving, we our perceptions are, is that people are trying to hurt us. They're intentionally out to hurt us. Well, most people aren't friends. And if they are, then you need to meet with them. The Bible says if you have aught with your brother or sister, then you're to go to them. If you have someone that's out just trying to intentionally hurt things all the time, you know, especially if they're Christians, you need to approach them, the Bible says. And if that doesn't work, then take someone with you to approach them. And if that doesn't hurt, bring it before a pastor of the church. But if people have unintentionally hurt you, then I think it's easier for us to get our emotions in check. And by the way, if it's someone that's lost, I look at them as a blind as a deaf person. And I know some people might think that's horrible, but I think it's been a great thing for me because what do blind and deaf people do? It doesn't matter how loud you scream at them, they can't hear you. It doesn't matter what you try to tell them they need to see and quit hurting people, they can't see it because they have no faith, because they have no God in their life, because they have no real spiritual life that brings about repentance. And so hurt people, or excuse me, lost people are lost. They're blind. They're deaf. They can't hear you. About all you can do is pray for them and live Christ in front of them. And that's the best you can do. But, you know, I really think it's important that we take those things and our perceptions and remember, don't perceive them as people are trying to hurt us. And then remember, if it's that big of a wound, let someone know. First of all, let God know they've wounded you. I believe we need to get our emotions in check about that and then go to that person. It's so important that we do that in the Christian world. But by the way, I don't let a lot of people sow a bunch of negative stuff into me and then me receive it. I just don't receive it. You know, the Bible says, who can lay any charge to God's elect? You know, when someone says something to me or even if someone yells at me or does something, I mean, who can charge God's elect with anything the Bible says? I think it's so important that we remember that, that we remember. Remember that I live according to what God 
tells me to do. God justifies me. So if it's a verbal hurt, I take very little heed to that. Now, there have been times, you know, I know other that are, you know, spiritual leaders of you, maybe pastors, maybe Sunday school teachers, maybe someone that's discipled you. It can come across a lot harder when someone hurts you. I realize that, you know, not everyone's just the average Joe, but we still have to remember people are people. And the only thing difference between people in the ministry and people that aren't is the anointing of God to do the ministry. And I've seen people that walked away from God because churches they were in, they had a bad pastor, a bad spiritual leader, a bad Sunday school teacher, and they said, I'm walking away from God. I'm not, I don't believe in the church anymore. Listen, you've forgotten that the church is full of broken people and hurting people hurt people. Not all people hurt people intentionally, but there are some people that have fallen into sin. I heard about a preacher the other day, I couldn't believe it, that had fallen into sin. And for years and years, him and his wife lived a double life. But that doesn't mean that God was any less God. That doesn't mean that God isn't still merciful and graceful. Think about the mercy of God that allowed him even to continue in what he was doing. You know, it's so important that we bring these needs, these hurts, these wounds, these scars to the Lord. I've seen people shove things under the rug. That's one hard thing. I have in Christian counseling is I see people, they've been hurt, they've been abused, things have happened. And then people say, well, just toughen up, just move on. You know, a lot of bad things happen to bad people. No, then people need to have time, a safe place to be able to talk about those problems. You know, what happens if you keep shoving the, you know, problem underneath the rug and shoving, you know, I heard one person say, it's kind of like, you know, a dead cat, you know, you have a problem, you have a hurt, you have a situation that happened. You just take the dead cat and shove it underneath the living room carpet rug. And all of a sudden, you keep throwing all the dead cats under there and all of a sudden they all stink and they're all nasty. That's what happens. No, you take a cat out in the backyard, you dig a hole, you have a little service. We've had some services with my family, with my boys. I mean, and then you, you put it down, you grieve over it, you talk about it, you put it down in the ground and all the kids cry and you know, and then it's over and it's buried in the backyard. See, you deal with that situation. You don't just shove the dead cat under the rug or all of a sudden you got a big pile of spoiled flesh that stinks and everybody in the house can see it and all your vision that come over can see it too. Well, that's the way our hurts, our wounds, our scars, these things that's happened to us can happen. I've seen families that don't want to talk about the elephant in the room. They go on with life about like everything's all just okay and nothing ever really happened. When the truth is, some of the greatest things you can do is pull that stuff out in the open and deal with it. Now, I believe boundaries work great here. When you have a problem, when you have a wound, when you have a scar, when you brought it to the Lord and you've asked for healing, you've asked for help, you go to the family, I believe in setting time limits. I'm not going to go, even in my family, I'm not going to go every day and meet for two hours about a problem that we had 10 years ago. But I do believe in giving that problem time. But we're going to set a time limit, and there's a process of getting through things. That is so important. You know, I'm not going to regurgitate a bunch of hurt. I don't think it's good. And I think that's where people get, you know, misconstrued or they they have the wrong perceptions about this. They think that, oh, all we do is if we just drug up all these old problems and just talked about all these old scars and... Well, it just, you know, just all we'd ever do. No, no, that's just silly. That's not even thinking right. But the problem is, I think many times people talk about no problems more than they talk about problems all the time. Hey, hey man, I mean, have you been around? Have you seen that? I don't see a lot of people want to talk about problems all the time. And the people that I do, I say, hey, you know what? Right now is not a good time to talk about that. I'd be glad to talk about this with you at a later time at the church. Would you like to set up an appointment? You see. But friends, it's just this idea, these hurts, these wounds, these scars. It's so important to know if you have continual behavior that you keep behaving in a certain way. 
way. Say you keep getting mad at your spouse. You keep getting mad at your children. You keep getting frustrated with this. Sometimes it's not always that, you know, you just need to read more, pray more, do those things. Those things are all good. I'm not against that. But many times, remember what it says, if you have a problem with your spouse, with your wife, then if I have a problem with my wife, then it says, stop praying and then go and make that thing right, then come back. It's the same way I've seen people pray for hurts and wounds and scars that continue to happen in their own household and then their family, and then they just go on praying and praying and praying when you need to sometimes go and make that thing right, that hurt, that wound, that scar. But we're so worried that we might look weak to someone or someone might expose us as this person that you know has the audacity to come and talk about a problem. Friends, I just don't think that's the case. I think we need to be more wise about these things. I think we need to realize that we live in a world of hurts, wounds, and scars. But if you continue to have these behaviors that trigger you, I like to call them triggers, then you're probably going to have to deal with that hurt, that wound, that scar, I believe, and have an intentional prayer over an intentional problem. Intentional. That you don't pray about anything else. You intentionally pray for specific deliverance. Whenever I was bound by alcohol, whenever I was bound by drugs, I had intentional prayer time to be delivered from those things. But you know what I found out? A lot of that lifestyle was due to some of the hurts and wounds and scars that I never dealt with in my past. Amen. Friends, there's a lot more here to talk about. I've just touched the surface, but I wanted to share with you this much. And we'll see, maybe do an episode on this again in the future. But as for now, God bless.